2: Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley. Give me animals! The zoo. Give me some sea life! <laughs> <laughs> Give me museums! South South Park. Give me a woo! Roller coaster! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism and Marketing District Assessment Funds.
0: Hello and welcome to Savor, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, and I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and today we're talking about capers. Uh huh. And shout out to Anthony
1: for the suggestion. Yeah, it's been on our mind ever since we read that listener mail.
0: And Lauren, you have discovered that you. Have two
1: jars of capers,
0: yes? I Yeah, well, two, not two, like, full jars. Um, that would be wild. Um, but no, no, <laughs> I've got two, like, half-empty jars. Because cl- clearly, I mean, like, capers are delicious. I love a caper. Um, but I don't think to purchase them unless I'm, like, making a recipe um, that right. calls for them. And then I'm like, oh, crap, why would I have capers? I should go buy some capers. And apparently, I've done that at least twice. So, um <laughs>
1: It happens to the best of us.
0: Yeah, yeah, but 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 it meant that I got to do some you know hands-on research this morning. Yes, yes.
1: Ever the professional, <laughs> Lauren Vogelbaum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if there's anything in my fridge you ever need me to eat, I'm on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> noted, noted. <laughs> those like Chinese what mustard packs you have or something? Oh sure, yeah.
0: No, I love a mustard pack. Yeah, why not? There you go. All right. All right. I believe it. I was on snack I, stuff. Don't don't threaten me with a good don't, time. <laughs>
1: don't test you. I got it. I got it. All right. I, I bow to you to defer to you in this matter. <laughs> Respect. Um, I, too, love capers. There was a pasta dish I loved growing up that had capers, and the capers were key. Mm. I wish I could remember what else was involved,
0: <laughs>
1: but the capers were key. And I went through a very big piccata phase, chicken piccata phase. Um, And then one time, oh, I know I've talked about it before on the show because (laughs) it's so traumatic for me. Uh, My little brother came home on Thanksgiving and told me he was vegetarian news to me.
0: Like, the day of Thanksgiving, like, you've already been up since, like, 4 a.m. cooking turkey and stuff, mm-hmm. and, yeah, suddenly he's like, hey, vegetarian now.
1: Hi. Yeah. And <laughs> I was scrambling to to find things that I could make for him, and I ended up making this, like, potato, roasted potato mushroom and caper dish that was delicious, and I make Ooh. to this day.
0: Oh, wow. That does sound delicious. I don't think I've ever heard a description of what it was. That sounds, that sounds tasty. I would eat that. Also, yeah, piccata— I that is one of the things that I have a hard time not ordering on a menu if I see. Yeah. It.
1: Oh yeah. So good. So
0: good. <laughs> oh, so simple. <laughs> so good. But all right, let's get to our question. Yes.
1: Capers. What are they?
0: Well, uh, capers are tangy, edible flower buds. Uh, specifically from the caper bush. Ooh. Mm-hmm.
1: For Makes once. Sense. Is this an easy one? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't worry. What? There's a little bit of complication in here somewhere. Oh, um, The botanical name is Caparis spinosa, and this is a this is a scrambly type, thorny, spiny, maybe uh, evergreen shrub that uh, that only ever grows as much as like three feet or a meter tall, but spreads out a lot. Um, it, it's like a like a rocky cliff crevice sort of shrub. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's a pretty temperate plant. Uh, flowers in the summer, and the blooms are. Beautiful. Uh white petals with these long purple stamens bursting out from the center like a like a firework. It's it's gorgeous. Um oh,
1: I'm mad okay. that I don't
0: have any ornamental capers in all of my rock cliffs that I have around my home. I don't have any of
1: those. <laughs> what if you got um an ornamental caper, uh, salt or pepper shaker?
0: <gasps> I dare then. not imagine the beauty. Oh gosh. does it exist? Could it? Let I know. <laughs> bet it does somewhere. If not, then we just put it out there and the universe yes. is obliged.
1: <laughs> yes, it must <laughs> come into fruition. It must
0: exist. Uh, <laughs> um, th- this shrub is in the um, caporaceae family, which means that they are cousins to the brassicaceae plants, uh, mustards and turnips, broccoli, stuff like that. And they share a bit of that peppery kick. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those flower buds are harvested when they're still immature, like wee little green nubs that haven't bloomed yet into that beautiful flower. Um, the, the, the buds are about the size of a pea, and they range in size from a little smaller to a little larger than said pea. But, um, but the smallest are generally the most expensive, um, and primarily, from what I can tell, only because they're more labor-intensive to pick. No particular quality, one way or another.
1: Yeah, I read a lot of articles about that, about how people are missing out. On the bigger ones, because they just assume
0: that since they're more the expensive, yeah, or better, yeah, 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 yeah. V- vary your your caper size the next time you go shopping for some.
1: Vary your caper size.
0: Let us know what you think. It get, gets some from different regions around the Mediterranean. They largely grow in the Mediterranean. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, they are often pickled, um, which adds to their they're already like bitter, peppery, floral, lemony, olive-y, fruitily savory tang <laughs> thing that they've got going on. Um, adding to all of that, this like heavy punch of salt and sour from um, whatever combination of brine and wine and or vinegar you use to to do the pickling. Um, and the result is that they are just these little flavor bombs. Um, and, and the texture is soft, but with like a little bit of that vegetal crunch, um, like like pickled cucumber or something like that would have.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are like just one is powerful, so flavorful. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, it's a little bit, little bit goes a long way. Um, you can you can chop them up and spread them out a little bit, but I really like having just that full mouthful of like, oh, what did I just do?
1: Yeah, Um, and that like tiny crunch, I I love that. Yeah,
0: right? (laughs) Huh? Mm -hmm. Um, if you pickle them by fermenting. Um, you will indeed get some additional like tart and smooth flavors um, from Bacteria Poop. Feels like it's been a minute since we've done that. I think it has. We haven't talked about a lot of ferments very lately.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm glad we got to remedy that today.
0: Me too. Always. Fill in that bingo card, kids. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) uh, If you um, uh, don't, pickle them, you you can also preserve them um, packed dry in salt, uh, which creates a final product with them, perhaps obviously less like vinegar tang. um, And that'll allow some more of those floral notes to come through. And these are a little bit pricier and and harder to find out of Europe. And people who have opinions about these kind of things say uh, say that they are a superior product. Oh. So. Okay. I wouldn't know. I'm not that fancy yet. <laughs>
1: me either. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of recipes do recommend um, soaking either type of caper in water for like 20 minutes, half an hour, before using them in recipes, so that you dial down some of that vinegar and/or salt content and let the other flavors shine through. I've never done that, but maybe nope, I may- maybe I'm a weirdo. I don't know.
1: Nah. Oh, I- well, la- maybe we're both weirdos. That's hey, completely possible. <laughs> I
0: I have a suspicion.
1: <laughs> I. Yes, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Lauren. Totally normal here.
0: <laughs> 20,000 per— Thank you, Annie. This is— Yes. I'm mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> yep.
1: That's the most
0: confident answer you could expect. Uh, um, and if you've ever seen caper berries, uh, those are the fruits that would develop if you allowed the caper bud to bloom and grow. And you also pick caper berries, green and unripe. Um, they, they they wind up being larger than capers, perhaps, obviously, again, um, uh, about the size of an olive or so, um, and have a, a less peppery flavor. They're also often pickled.
1: Yes, and I did want to put in here, a lot of times the smaller ones are called non-perrier, which, <laughs> <laughs> perrier, <laughs> sounds like the water. It does That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> no, nah, it means in French, Forget my pronunciation. I butchered it. You know what I'm talking about. It means unparalleled.
0: Oh, Um, that's what that means. I I assumed that like that like etymologically it was like tiny in some way that I wasn't understanding because French. Um, But yeah, that's yeah. But unparalleled is much sweeter. I like that. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: I would love to be a product that was labeled
0: unparalleled. Gosh.
1: Yeah. Oh, but it could be
0: a backhanded compliment, couldn't it?
1: That's true, but as you know, those are one of my favorite reviews. Um, so, <laughs> either way.
0: Yeah, we're not weirdos. We're
1: just unparalleled. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, capers are in all kinds of dishes as a condiment or ingredient, um, with smoked salmon on bagels, a was salad, on chicken and veal piccata, as we said, pasta pudinesca, sometimes in a martini, in tartar sauce, and yes, very popular in Mediterranean cuisine.
0: Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you can use them in warm or cold dishes. Um, they're often more of a garnish than anything else. Uh, yeah, pastas, salads, soups, sandwiches, anything fish-related. Put some capers in some tuna salad. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I want to do that literally right now. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they can be an ingredient in tapenades and uh, remoulades. You usually don't want to cook them too hard as the the crunch and that aforementioned flavor bombiness is kind of part of the fun. So you usually add them in towards the end. Um that being said, though they are really good if you pan fry them, um, because their petals get all crisp.
1: Ooh, mm-hmm. I've never
0: done that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, just just press them dry first so that uh, you don't get a pop and spatter as the as the water boils off inside them. Sure, yeah. sure, sure,
1: sure. And okay, I have an episode idea: tartar sauce.
0: Oh, since you mentioned that, yeah. Yes. Huh. Mostly for
1: SpongeBob jokes. Oh, oh I don't yes. get that, but cool. Yes. It's just kind of like a oh, tartar sauce.
0: Oh, oh, in the show. oh I have seen that actually. Okay, there you are. Yeah, I'm, back yeah, yeah. I'm back with you. I'm back with you.
1: Perfect. Mostly <laughs> I just want to talk about SpongeBob and I'm looking for any excuse to do it. Food of SpongeBob, Krabby Patty. Okay. All right. Back to the caper. <laughs> what about the nutrition?
0: Uh y'all um <laughs> if if you're eating enough capers to have a real nutritive impact, I have questions. I'm not judging you, but I have a number of questions. Um, that that being said, they, they they pack a lot of flavor with very little caloric impact. Um, you know, they've got a little bit of fibers, some vitamins and minerals. Only thing to watch out for is that they can have a lot of salt from being preserved. Um, so yeah, watch out for that if that is a thing that you watch out for. Um, mm-hmm. They have long been used for medicinal purposes in various cultures for all kinds of things. The two that I saw the most often um, were to reduce arthritis and rheumatism um, and to reduce flatulence. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I can I'm, we are not doctors and neither are the papers that I gleaned that information from. So. <laughs> the
1: papers aren't doctors? <laughs> nope,
0: not to my personal knowledge.
1: Oh, all right.
0: Mm. <laughs> And capers um, are, though, currently being investigated for for um, some possible, like, heart and brain health-related effects, like, positive effects. Um, probably among other things, I, you know. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, we do have <laughs> a few numbers for you. Um, we do. I will say that there are dozens of different varieties um, uh, in basically all of the different little— Microclimates and places that grow them, um, and and seemingly they've got their their plant with a really good genetic diversity. So that's cool. Cool. Um, and the past few decades, caper cultivation
1: has gone up to meet rising demand, and the U.S. imports about ten million dollars worth of capers every year. So Oof.
0: we like capers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do.
1: <laughs> we do. Have we liked them throughout history, though?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Ah, You've you way to blow the lead, Lauren. Oh. <laughs> yep, yeah. You, you can just stop Spoilers. stop listening now.
1: That's it. Go home. Darn it. <laughs> I was going to weave a tale of woe and suspense alas. But you should stick around anyway because it is still interesting.
0: Oh, it is. Yeah. Um but uh, but yes, we're going to get into that history, but first we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended
1: brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
2: Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! Roller coaster! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
3: Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year
4: It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
0: Yes, thank you.
1: So, capers are old. Old. <laughs> several millennia old. They most likely originated in the Mediterranean or West and Central Asia or possibly several native species all over. Australia to Africa to Asia to the Middle East to Europe. A lot of uh, theories going yes, on there. Yes.
0: It's currently uncertain. Um, and, and even exactly how old they are is currently uncertain. Um, I read that some archaeological evidence um, that people were eating capers may go back as far as 17,000 years ago in what's Ooh. now Egypt. Um, there's also evidence, which is a little bit more solid, I think, from, uh, from around like 5,800 BCE in what's now Iraq and uh, 2,800 BCE in China. So old.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Perhaps the first recorded use of capers as a food comes from the Sumerian epic of Gilgamesh from 2000 BCE. They were also mentioned in the Bible. Capers were viewed as, say it with me now, an An aphrodisiac. aphrodisiac. (laughs) Yep. During biblical times. And in the 1906 Jewish Encyclopedia, it's explained that the Hebrew word for caperberry is closely linked to the Hebrew word for desire. Huh. Yeah. Ancient Greeks knew about capers, and Dioscorides and Pliny the Elder wrote about them, as did several other well-known ancient Greeks. Along with the ancient Romans, the Greeks used them as a condiment, and they used it in all kinds of things. meats, sauces, dressings, with cheeses. Mm. I know. Going back to Anthony, listener Anthony's original question when he wrote us about the caper, about why did people eat this thing that was potentially poisonous? Why did they start pickling it, brining it? The basic question we all ask a lot of times is, why. why when did humans realize they could eat this thing?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Um,
1: I tried really hard to get to the bottom of it, of when people started pickling brining capers to eat them. And the answer seems to be pretty much as soon as people started eating them.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's just been the way that humans have always eaten this thing.
1: Yeah, and they were they were very, very bitter, so practically inedible otherwise. But again, not so much in the way of concrete evidence or proof or in the historical record. But that seems to be the consensus.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've heard that they're, yeah, very bitter and very um, astringent. Like, we'll just suck all the moisture right off your tongue. Right, right. Yeah. And people love pickling things and brining things. <laughs> yeah. They last longer. It Makes does. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: The Apicius, widely seen as one of the first, if not the first cookbook, included capers as a seasoning. And this was compiled in the 4th or 5th century CE. Um, A surgeon during the Renaissance, Ambrose Pear, wrote of capers, Capers are good in that they sharpen the appetite and relieve the bile. Mm. Okay. Okay, indeed. (laughs) Um, Veal piccata. Oh, there's a lot of... And we shouldn't be surprised at all at this point. There's a lot of debate about the history of this dish. But it is believed to be the product of Italian-American immigrants in the 1930s. Again, a lot of unknowns. A lot of, like, no, it definitely came from this town in Italy in the 1500s. No. Oh, do we need to do a
0: piccata episode? Oh, yes.
1: Yes. I would be down. Awesome. Oh, and speaking of, very similarly— Today I learned about the history of pasta puttanesca, which I'd never heard of. Oh, um, okay. No, no. Uh, so if you don't know, if you're like me, you didn't know, is a sauce made of a mixture of olives, anchovies, capers, and tomatoes with other optional ingredients like red pepper flakes and garlic. I'm sure it can be customized further, but generally. Um, okay, so apparently the name translates to Lady of the Night, and the sauce originated in Italy, probably Naples, much later than any other Italian sauces, like during or after World War II. At the time, there weren't many career options for women in Italy, and one of the few of them was sex work, which was fairly common. There are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of conflicting origin stories about this one. (laughs) Also, um, but the popular, most likely, certainly, in my mind, untrue Story is that women cooked up the sauce between clients, but sauce isn't exactly like a quick fix thing. No, <laughs> like takes some time. The other explanation is that it has to do with aromatics. Make of that what you will. Huh. Um, yeah. So, shrug, I guess. But yeah,
0: <laughs> so, huh. oh no, no. The- oh, but you should totally try Putnesca. There, it, it's um, all of those little salty elements with um, with the sweetness of the tomatoes is just really delightful. Yeah.
1: It sounds delicious to me. Mm-hmm. It sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in it.
0: Uh, and capers are currently, um, in, in in addition to being in investigation for a few possible medicinal properties, um, are in investigation for use in areas experiencing drought due to climate change as, like, a new added crop. Because— because they're, they're hardy and they're scrambly, um, so their roots help lock in soil to prevent erosion, um, and they can kind of keep growing when other plants can't due to uh, loss of water. So,
1: yeah. Oh, good for capers. hmm hmm mm. ah, I, f- I forgot to look up. I did look it up, but I can't remember, so the answer must not have been that interesting. <laughs> but I, I, I looked into why we call, like, mysteries capers. And when we started doing that. But I guess the answer wasn't
0: worth worth including. (laughs) I'm like, I read that too. And now it's unrelated etymologies. um, But I don't, I I think the word caper has just kind of been similar for a very, very, very long time. um, Mm -hmm. Through a number of different languages. Um, I think the S accidentally got dropped at some point when... English-speaking people assumed that it was a plural when it wasn't
4: in mm. in
0: prior iterations. Um, but interesting. Uh, but yeah, now I don't. I, I skimmed over the other part, and now I'm I'm kicking myself. Like never skim <laughs> Vogelbaum, you know. Never better.
1: skim. <laughs> never skim. But you know what? Um, <laughs> recently, a friend a friend of mine. She was kind enough and also, I guess, a masochist enough (laughs) to um, watch me play The Last of Us 2 all the way through. Oh, my heck. And she has, she says my um, slogan should be, Annie Reese never learns her lesson. (laughs) Oh, oh, (laughs) So, never skim, but perhaps never learn the lesson. (laughs) She's not wrong.
0: Well, <laughs> well, there you go.
1: There you go. You know, perhaps one of the listeners knows the, the answer to this caper caper.
0: <laughs> but speaking of, we do have some listener mail for you. We do. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth.
2: Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. A Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach, no How about a garden tour? Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org funded in part with the city of san diego tourism marketing district assessment funds
3: happy pride from tomboy x celebrating pride and the queer community all year queer founded queer run and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin tomboy x just dropped their pride 24 collection Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com.
4: Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail.
1: Thank you, sponsor.
0: Yes, thank you. And we're back with... Listener...
1: Man. Caper? I was trying to do the Mission Impossible voice, but then I realized, like, I don't know that voice. <laughs> <laughs> never learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I never... I should never go into a Listener Mail jingle without a firm vision in mind. Uh,
0: well, you know, I look forward to you... Never learning your lesson.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Lauren, because you are the one that will suffer, and the (laughs) listeners. So thank you, and I apologize.
0: Uh, We're all all having a fine time.
1: I hope so. (laughs) Um, Speaking of, Emily wrote, about 10 years ago at university, my friends and I took a slightly different route while expressing our geek love via food. This was during the height of Sherlock Holmes revival, and we held a Bakery Street Irregulars party. <laughs> Instead of cooking Victorian fare, we recreated the characters as punny treats. There was Sherlock Holmes and Johnny Cake Wheatson, mm. Professor Maury Tarty, <laughs> Irene Puddingler, Sebastian Meringue, among others. We even created a few unfortunate murder victims out of the pie dough left over from the Mori tart. I no longer have the digital photo files, but please find these poor quality iPhone photos of photos. No, they were great. Thank you so much. Um, One depicts Sherlock and My Crust (laughs) Holmes with Johnny Cake in front. And the second, a disemboweled pastry person. Many googly eyes were used irresponsibly. (laughs) (laughs) That is so good. And they looked really amazing. Yes. Fantastic work. The puns top notch. (laughs) I've got to try this out. I, like, oh, my gosh.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Sarah wrote, I know what you should do with all that vodka. What? <laughs> <laughs> I just listened to your delightful episode on Edna Lewis, and after listener mail, when you were talking about all your excess vodka and apricots, I knew I had to write in. I realize enough time has passed since recording that the apricots are probably gone, but if you can get a hold of more stone fruit, I have just the thing for you. Last year, my boyfriend and I picked a bunch of plums from the tree that hung over his backyard. Astonishingly, even though he had lived there for several years, he had never got around to harvesting any plums. Turns out, they were delicious. They are Italian plums, which are a smaller variety with a higher concentration of fermentable sugars. They were getting overripe fast, so I took a weekend and looked up some things to do with them. Enter Slivovitz. And gosh, I just looked this up. I hope that I'm saying it correctly, we've mentioned it on the show before, but I don't remember how it was pronounced. So anyway, I'm going to go with Sleepy Beats. yes. Oh, uh, yeah, you mentioned this drink briefly on your episode on Parham a while back. At the time of this story, I had never heard of it, and I found a recipe for it which used fresh plums, vodka, sugar, lemon peel, and a cinnamon stick. Seeing as I had all the ingredients on hand, I gave it a shot. Here's how it goes— Wash the plums and score the skins. Put your ingredients in a glass container, which can be tightly sealed, and pour the vodka over it. For the next two weeks, turn the bottle or bottles over once daily. Then, let sit in a dark, cool place for three months. At that point, strain everything out of the alcohol and bottle it however you like. I used the old vodka bottle. The sleeve of eats should be ready by the winter holidays, but the longer you let it sit, the better it tastes. To date, it was one of my most successful food experiments— You may not know it, but that's saying something. It's one of the most delicious drinks I've ever had. My recipe might be too sweet for Lauren, but part of the beauty of making it yourself is customizing it to your own tastes. We drank the last of our batch in late winter, a week or two before I listened to your Parham podcast, and it was even more delicious then. When I learned the drink's origins, it made so much sense that it is a drink meant for that time of year. This year, I bought four big handles of vodka so I can make much more of it and also experiment with different fruits and flavors. Currently, I have a batch of raspberry apricot and a batch of mixed berries steeping in my basement. And as soon as I get my hands on some plums, I'll have a lot more Slivovits on the way. I may try and send some out to you ladies in Georgia when it's ready. Drink responsibly, winky face.
1: Ooh! Right. Ooh! Mm. I would not say no to that. That sounds delicious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I. I encourage everyone to uh, follow local laws about shipping alcohol across state <laughs> borders. And yep. um, also, if some happened to find its way to me, I wouldn't turn it down at all.
1: <laughs> nope. Nope, not at all. But also, thank you so much for the recipe. Uh, I'm loving all these recipes, you all. It's great. (laughs) So great. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com.
0: We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. In all three places, our screen name is at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Savor is production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you
1: by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth dot com.